Welcome to the Truth to Power show on Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm your host, VGR Nathan, and with us today is co-host Bruce Whitaker. Welcome, Bruce. Thank you, VJ. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning. And uh, our featured guest today is D.S. Will. With over 16 years of writing and performing to his credit, D.S. sets out to amaze his listeners with inward rhyme schemes, Android uh, wordplay, gesticulated performance, and topical subjects. Be it through his skills as an MC, his ability as a poet, or serving as the voice of the jettison, he has realized the power of the spoken and the non-spoken word. D.S. Will has always been aware that writing can be a form of expression, a way to educate, or means to healing. It is this belief that has allowed him to be very integral part of the Triangle's uh, poetic community. Welcome, D.S. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much Thank for you. having me here this morning. I'm extremely excited uh, to discuss um, what is occurring today, um, as well as some of my inspirations and, and motivations as well. Yeah, why don't we start a little bit about your inspirations and uh, what drives you as a person, what drives you as a poet. Uh, tell us a little bit about what kind of themes or, or obsessions you have. You know, obsession is a strong word, but things that you recur to, <laughs> return to in your work, things that constantly you mull over um, kind of thematically in your work, uh, in your writing and your performance. And, uh, and tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I like the word obsession and, and passion. Yeah. <laughs> um, as it relates to topic matters of my work, it really comes down to what I'm feeling currently. Um, as mentioned in my bio, my work has always been very therapeutic um, and it has played a vital and critical role in my own healing with issues that I may have endured. Um, but at the same time, it also depends on what is occurring in my vicinity at that present moment in time. So my writing can deal with um, racial issues, of course, you know, being an African-American male. Um, it can deal with issues of sexism um, because in my circle there are esteemed females that are there. So I want to be able to speak for them. Also, from a conceptual standpoint, I love to play around with ideas on how to be able to present subjects that may be worn <laughs> uh, because there's nothing new under the sun but what is a new or varied way that i can present it to be able to capture the attention of individuals who have heard these things before um mm -hmm. love is a very prolific subject you know there are there are millions of love songs and and writings that deal with that topic but if i can present it in a manner in which is novel which is fresh um to be able to express how i feel about that particular subject that's a win for me. So that's really what my goal is in my writing, again, is to be able to heal, is to be therapeutic, but also to be informative and to be educated and to be able to stir something up in the listener as well. Um, there've been so many different individuals who have told me, oh, I used to write or I'm a poet. And I would ask them, you know, what caused them to stop? And they would give me a variety of reasons. Um, but once we start talking about the process and they hear my work, they talk about being inspired, um, and that's such an honor to be able to move someone to revisit a passion of theirs. Um, and that's the biggest win in my performance, really, is to be able to impact this. Yeah. How did you discover poetry and, and performance, and, and what was kind of your path to, to finding these uh, channels? 
Absolutely. So poetry was introduced to me at a very early age. But what's interesting is that I never really saw myself in the art form. So even though I was exposed to individuals that looked like myself and, and dealt with issues, you know, Harlem Renaissance poets, Brooks, um, Hughes, and the like, it wasn't until I was around 17 years old. Um, I was in my world lit class. And one of my classmates had the opportunity to perform spoken word, um, which we know is a subset of poetry. And when I heard it performed, it was the first time that I was touched. It was the first time that I felt like I had a presence in poetry and that I can actually be a, a participant that didn't feel forced because it was dealing with matters that I could relate to. And it was coming from an, an agent that I could it look like me, an individual that I knew, an individual I knew that was authentic. And from that moment in time, it definitely was a fire that was lit into me. You know, when I, when I was younger and I thought of poetry, I thought of things such as the beat movement and French berets and espresso <laughs> with two uh -huh. shots. <laughs> yeah. and, we're, and we're in a very dimly lit room and someone saying, hey, man, after every stanza. And I tried to emulate that and it wasn't authentic, but it wasn't. It's a spoken word that opened the bridgeway to other forms of poetry. And I felt like I was home and it's been a marriage um, this establishes. I, I think poetry owes its almost its current existence to spoken word. You know, it's it's been a way of bringing it back to that sort of uh, the roots of poetry. You know, of a, a single person speaking something to a group mm -hmm. and uh, getting out of the book, out of the dusty academia. You know, the, <laughs> uh, I don't think poetry right now would be where it is on any level without what spoken word has done for it. It's uh, it's incredible. Agreed, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, tell us a little bit about um, the founder, founding Press Play Poets, uh, and tell us a little bit about what that is and and how you found it. And I believe that's one of your um, projects. Absolutely. So as we were speaking about um, off air, so I'm a transplant. I'm originally from Jersey City, New Jersey. Shout out to the two zero one. Um, and I relocated to North Carolina in 2009, and it was a very interesting transition because I literally was starting over, um, starting over in every aspect that you can imagine. So I had to plant my roots somewhere new, and with that comes creating a new social circle. Um, and the avenues that I had utilized before involved art and poetry for me to do that. So I would frequent um, some of the establishments that had open mics and I realized there was uh, an abundance of talent that were performed during the open mic portion. But for some reason, when it came to them being featured or their face on the flyer, for them to have that exclusive time of expression, that was absent. I kept seeing the same names over and over again. So the real idea behind Press Play Poets is to be able to grant opportunity and I was fortunate enough to run into a, a couple of individuals that gave me the opportunity outside of the open mic realm um, to share my work. They provided me with a stage um, and then they provided me with posting opportunities. So I said to myself, if I ever get the opportunity, I want to be able to create a platform for up and coming artists. And, and that's exactly what I moved towards doing. Um, I gathered a team of poets 
who I felt were extremely talented, but again, wasn't getting the spotlight. And then we started to create um, monthly shows. And again, as we talked about off air, um, from a conceptual standpoint, what can we bring to the table? What can we bring to the realm of poetry and spoken word that isn't necessarily being addressed? So all of our shows were pretty much thematic. Um, we've presented shows that dealt with, that was entitled The Queen's Speech, in which you had a all-female lineup and, and women of various ethnic backgrounds. We did something called the um, Final Edit, and this was a very unique way of slamming in which people will group together in teams and we did um, impromptu haikus so really to increase the excitement level. But also a very um, vital component of press play is community work. So I would volunteer my time at the local Boys and Girls Club and I noticed that our youth was so, so skilled in the art of expression the only thing that was missing were, were ears, were individuals that would take the time to actually listen to them. And I said, this has to change. So we incorporated our youth into our shows as well. There would be a teen spotlight. And you could just see the pride and uh, that will bubble forth once their show is over, once their particular um, portion of the show is over, and their parents would come and their family would be beaming with pride. So again, those are the rewards um, from the art and from, you know, what I'm extremely proud that Press Play has, has brought um, to the community as well. So that wasn't too long-winded. <laughs> no, no, it's great. It's great. What Thanks a great so much. project. Yeah, what a great project. Just, yeah. You're working in the Nor in North Carolina in the Research Triangle area. So Yes. Um, that's uh, uh, Tell us a little bit about uh, how, you how you found that and uh, how you transitioned living there and what it's, what it's like today in the uh, 2020 election, you're in a, a very uh, swing, swing state, a very critical state. And uh, what, what, what's the mood in, in your area now? Indeed, indeed. Like anywhere, really, um, in the political arena and opinions can be quite tumultuous. So it really depends on <laughs> how much you want to engage yourself and how much energy you want to put into your day-to-day -day conversations. Um, again, off-air, we were having some, a great conversation off-air. Political beliefs and opinions can, can lead to either side of the party, so to speak. So it, it's, it's interesting. Um, but we're living in unparalleled times right now um, with circumstances that are extremely unique. Um, but on any given day, you're going to have someone with their own personal story, um, and it is worth a listen to. And they do have valid reasons for which where they lie as it relates to their political opinions. Um, but I'm very eager in November to see where Carolina definitely stands because it's very even right now. Um, according to some of the recent polls. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you put down as one of the truths that empower you as being transparency. I think that's interesting to think about. Tell us a little bit about what that means to you and in this age of social media and, uh, and how that kind of affects this whole dynamic. Truth is such a very <laughs> malleable topic or concept nowadays, because I feel that we are trying to seek what absolute truth is. Um, 
we, we've heard the expression fake news be chanted for the last three and a half to four years. Yeah. Um, but even the avenues in which we receive our truths um, can be a bit questionable as well. Again, no matter what your political stance may be. So research is, is very critical before you can formulate your truth and in, in, in making sure that your personal opinions and experience doesn't dilute truth as well. We don't want to mold truth because it's convenient to our beliefs. And if we don't possess truth, it makes it difficult for us to experience growth or to challenge what we believe truth to be as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's so important to like take charge of our lives and like, you know, um, be authentic and be kind of, as you were saying, transparent with where we're coming from and where we're going so that then we can discover what's really true as opposed to what the the uh, consent, social consensus is for truth. Mm. I think that's the kind of the thread I was picking up on with that, that we don't want to just be parroting or parroting or um, kind of repeating things that are in the in the ethos but we want to be discovering for ourselves uh, that that essential truths and 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 have that be our source of power. You know, is that kind of what you were saying, or what is? How would you articulate that? Absolutely. Just to kind of piggyback um, off of, of social media, in this age, it's not about what is accurate. Sometimes it's what about it's it's about what we receive first. So many outlets are concerned about breaking news before they actually do the proper research to see um, what the veracity of the particular topic is. So that's also important as well. But that kind of lends to our our desire to have instant gratification as well. You know, that's seeped into so many different fa various facets of our lives that, you know, we instantly want to know what is going on as opposed to being patient to finding out what is accurately occurring. Yeah. Well, I think we're also in an age where so many people know how to use media for their own agendas and knowing the agenda of your source is um, half the battle. And I think there's a tendency along a lot of people to to have followed up on these generations now of conspiracy theories about they will never tell you the truth. They have this going on. And this is a lot of what's undermined the traditional media um, and has created an environment where silos of the country live in completely different news environments, have a completely different set of facts, have a completely different set of assumptions about the world. and. Um, and so it, and it's very, it's almost impossible to cross over from one to the other in a meaningful way. Um, particularly, I find for us in New York, where we live in such a kind of monolithically liberal city, of course, there's some level of dissent, but the public discourse here is just kind of a general, you know, constant blue outrage. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but I, it'd be wonderful to hear your work and, and uh, kind of go from this into what's, uh, what's on your mind and, and, uh, and just the, how you express transparency and authenticity and things like that. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, would you like for me to share a piece right yes, now? Yes, that'd be yeah, lovely. That'd be Thank good. You. All right, I, I wrote this piece about a year ago. Um, it's entitled Monster. Um, 
And I don't want to give too much narrative beforehand, or rather you kind of discover um, what direction I was taking this in. But I would say it was based upon an experience. <laughs> Something as mundane as me visiting a Walgreens. And I was in line. And there was a couple in front of me. They were purchasing some items. And the cashier was, was very benign to them and very informative and educating them on yeah, we receive these cards, frequent buyer cards, and we collect points, and you save 25 cents on Dove soap and things of that nature. Um, so when I was being checked out, it seemed that the attitude of that cashier completely changed. Um, he wasn't friendly. He wasn't informative. He was just in a rush to um, service me and have me leave the premises. So from that experience, I, I wrote this poem called Monster. Bumps in the night would often trigger me to rehearse calls to God or clinching relics to the point that my heart would stand as tall as my frame would allow it to squat. The net of my dream catcher was already filled with renditions of tradition tales from the hood composed of a ghoul whose essence was akin to the darkest shade of eclipsed hope. A touch that could make the skin crawl under the rocks that would help its kind. Eyes that were the windows of foreclosed homes and a voice, a voice that collected shrieks of tourists played at a volume that could amplify any stereotype. When I grow up was the opening words of Genesis to alter this beast path. Once the day had been cared for, the first step in having a head start on this school of thought would be to educate myself. The passports to venture to borders too obtuse for the imagination to angle. So I predicated subjects in all parts of speech. And so my urban ways were left behind without indention. Slaying couldn't slope in and challenge the theories of Eurocentric triumph, shaking spears into the art of war, sketched the path to escalate to highest honors. Steering the scholarship, validating these Victorians that seemed major until I mastered lifting myself from my crucifix. Possessed by the school spirit, I was now a shining example that overlooked the scope of horror a future once predicted. No longer a child scared the fable statistics of my lineage, no longer jinxed or chronicled with murals of death, premonition, final destination, a small town where castles on the hill spared me from the horrors that often filmed to the delight of viewers. Barbed wire replaced with picket fences that separated me from fiends that scourged the nightfall. And the zombies that seek an anecdote found in poisoned truth, I have become a credit to my race. Catch my next breath on that lap. Blank stares would draw on the inhabitants as if they had seen the ghost of fable present affirming the actions taught through their miseducation for sales signs became pages in their books of exodus as rumors of a beast began to trickle through the cracks of the closed-minded upon taking a second look at the faces of the frightened i realized the creature had a familiar frame no amount of education refinement or cultural abandonment could ever civilize what many already considered to be a deviant a 6'2 black man trapped in the world that continues to fear him. I am the monster. I am the monster. In peace. Wow, wow. thank you. Very powerful, Very thank powerful, you. Yeah. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank um, you. So, what is there? What are your feelings about uh, the the possibilities of change right now? And um, what what would be your call to action for those of us who are listening to uh, respond to this this very very important time? As cliched as it may sound, exercise your your right to vote. Exercise for your voice to be heard. Um, and, and educate yourself on how you can do that properly and try to avoid the, the machinations of the powers that be to tamper or prevent you from exercising your right as well. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful for change, um, but at the same time, I'm, I'm skeptical as well. If that change will actually occur at the rate that I may selfishly want it to um, happen, um, I, I'm, and, and, and there is an air of uncertainty as well, because as mentioned earlier, we are dealing with elements and circumstances that is completely foreign to us. You know, we're living amidst a pandemic um, that is unpredictable, um, that has no rhyme or reason. And the information where we are still confused on this authenticity uh, from the various sources of you know, how to curb you know, these ailments and things of that nature. Um, so I'm in a very strange limbo, almost a purgatory, as it relates to whether change will occur in the immediate future. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you this, that to vote and to educate yourself, and then whatever your base of knowledge is, if you have a platform, do your due diligence in spreading hope as well. Um, there are a variety of outlets that you can utilize to do so. Um, as long as your intentions are pure, you know, exercise your ability to be able to impact lives. So I also wanted to talk a little bit about faith and how uh, spiritual traditions have influenced you. I think then, especially in that piece as well, you bring up some images of faith and images of, um, of connection with faith. So I'd be curious to, if you could expand a little bit about your opinion on, on, and your viewpoint on kind of how God and how faith kind of comes into play in this, in this tumultuous time as well. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it is an imperative that you have some type of spiritual base. Um, and it doesn't matter what, if you decide to utilize a religious outlet to exercise that spirituality uh, more so than ever, the belief in both the tangible and intangible is critical for not just our sanity, but for also our survival as well. Um, if we have complete reliance on the things that we see or the, the agents that have been created for us, that outlook can be a bit bleak. Um, so my spirituality has definitely assisted me um, engaging in those quiet moments in which I'm um, completely vulnerable and can completely um, communicate with the being that I believe in um, has assisted me in navigating through these um, turbulent times that we are living in life. Yeah. You uh, do a lot of community work, not only um, some teaching of poetry and things like that, but also emceeing and, and leading community events um, what, 
how do you overcome like stage fright and so forth? And, and, and personally, what uh, kind of feeds you in that work? And then also, um, what are you finding the community calling out for right now? The community is definitely calling out for proper representation and for their voices to be heard as well. Um, I recently conducted the third session in my um, virtual book club, which is called the King's Court. The goal is to be able to establish a safe place for males to express themselves um, and, and to be able to help them reshape their the proper definition of masculinity. Um, and for this particular session was open to to women to attend as well, because the subject matter we were dealing with was ending violence against women and girls. Um, unfortunately, the the female population it, it had outnumbered the males in this particular session. In fact, the representation of the males is very scarce. And one of the young ladies had voiced her opinion. She's 21 years old, but extremely articulate, um, and extremely cognizant of her surroundings. She mentioned that this is why we feel ignored. This is why we feel helpless when it comes to being able to express ourselves in the um, in the issues and, and obstacles that we have to contend with because there's there's not enough males present. And I took that sentence and basically stretched it to how many individuals in the surrounding communities feel. There's not enough individuals who are listening. So, the surrounding communities are crying out for rep individuals in power to listen to them, not hear them, listen and to take into account the daily struggles that they have to deal with. And as it relates to, to stage fright, I always, I, I always possess stage fright, <laughs> but I, I, I transfer that negative energy into my performance or when I speak and then I feed off the crowd as well. You know, I, I, I try to, transport to another realm I and mean, as hokey as that may sound um you know when i'm performing um until it becomes a, a transcendental experience um but that's what fuels me that's what gets me through the nerves but of course good old preparation as well um if i've written the piece and i want to be able to internalize it i can't expect to practice it for an hour and then it come off pristine once it's go time um but th th those that that's what assists me that's what aids me and really is knowing what the outcome is going to be. Again, if I'm able to create a modicum of change, then then I feel that I have accomplished what I set out to do. Oh. I was just thinking the other day about, um, you know, I come from a background in theater and there is no theater and um, except for online theater, but that's not the communal experience that you you know and that you you lead and create. And I wonder, can we heal ourselves through this? Can we motivate ourselves through this? Can we make a community out of this without the kind of rituals that theater offers, that you hold? Uh, you know, there is not, I just, does Zoom ever transcend, you know? <laughs> do you get to that heavy, do you get to that heavy side layer from cats on a Zoom call or in a Zoom session? And can we really heal ourselves in this virtual environment we're all, that is a very good point because 98% of the events that I've been involved in since late February has involved a virtual platform. Um, 
And yes, you do miss the tangible energy and interaction that you have with the crowd and your, your fellow artists as well. What I can say that has been a silver lining is that we have been able to erase borders though. Um, the virtual platform has given me the opportunity to meet you. Exactly. <laughs> which will be, a, we most likely would have not crossed paths if not for this platform. And I've had the opportunity to meet a host of individuals and hear a variety of stories that I would not have been privy to. And, I, and despite the fact that we are in this somewhat synthetic environment and synthetic walls, we have, our stories, our experiences have been able to vault over these synthetic walls and still be able to, to penetrate um, through, the, through the heart and exteriors of many of us and to be touched, still to be able to experience that shared experience of healing and expression as well. Um, it's just going to cause us to become more creative with what we do. And we as humans have always had the ability to do that, to be able to overcome what is in front of us. Um, this, this spoken word, this art um, is eternal and it will continue to be able to travel to wherever it needs to go to the individuals who needs to go. Yeah, and I really liked when you put in the quote, uh, be yourself, everyone else is taken. I believe that's what Oscar Wilde said. Mm -hmm. So that was a really great quote, and it seemed to connect with what you were just saying, um, you know, leading into the... Tell us a little bit more about that and about how that connects with what you were just saying, yeah. Identity is critical. And going back to the social media platform, um, it's very easy to be to create mirages or representations of self. It also goes back to truth. We have to be true with who we are. We have to embrace our flaws and imperfections. Um, the, the, we have to embrace the dirty little pretty things about us as well, because that's what creates the, the factor of being unique. Um, and it's also what's alluring about us is that we aren't the same. We aren't this monolithic entity that has the same set of beliefs that feels the same. Um, diversity is critical um, in our shared experiences as well. And all of that is just a catalyst to growth personally. You want to meet someone who has a, an opinion that, that, that varies in yours or maybe in direct competition to yours as well. Um, because not only is it going to strengthen your own stance and resolve, but it's also going to help you to appreciate where someone else is coming from, where their origin is coming from. Um, so you, in order to do any of those things, you have to be true to self. And the exploration of self is, is an ongoing journey. It doesn't stop once you reach middle age yeah. <laughs> or once you reach a particular age. It's, it's ongoing. Yeah, yeah, and it seems like we all need to respond to the call to be authentic, to kind of use our experiences as a platform for, you know, kind of testifying to what we're going through, testifying to, so then we can share those testimonies with each other, and then we can kind of get enriched by the experiences of others. Um, that enrichment really only takes place when we're really honestly connecting with and and testifying to the circumstances and environment that we're living in 
uh, being really authentic in that communication between ourselves and our inner lives and that environment so then we can get a, a true transmission as opposed mm. to kind of what I think a lot of times we have like like echoing effect and you know one person just saying what other people are saying just because it seems most convenient at the time and that mm-hmm. creates kind of a duplicity in the communication chain as opposed to you know truth you know absolutely yeah i love that you use the term rich yeah yes it indeed the the experience is indeed a currency um it's a valuable currency um, that allows you to be able to enhance your own existence and even to live more comfortably um, with your own belief systems and the belief systems of others as well. Yeah, you were saying in your pre-interview questions about, you know, time and, uh, you know, kind of time being the currency that allows us to gain experience. So I guess that kind of connects with what you're just saying about uh, experiences and you know, um, I guess what you mean by time is experience uh, or the aging. Uh, did you mean aging or like kind of growing older or growing kind of tell us a little bit about kind of how, how, you know, growing up and, and like uh, maturation and, and from yourself uh, from younger years to mm-hmm. today, how that's kind of been uh, kind of a, uh, a currency for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, time basically is the tool that allows us to use energy and then also to experience growth. And if this current state that we're living in has demonstrated anything is that nothing is promised and that you have to take advantage of the present because later can be a luxury in certain instances. Um, I recently read a quote that said procrastination is the audacity that you will be given another opportunity Mm. and it struck me because it's the absolute truth um unfortunately we have lost many lives over the past six months to this um to COVID, and and many people were anticipating tomorrow and now they don't have that opportunity so then it, it causes an individual to challenge themselves. How are we utilizing our time? How are we spending that currency? Simply because you exist doesn't mean that you engage in the maturation process as well. You know, time will continue to progress, but are you changing along with that time? Are you educating yourself? Are you allowing yourself to be open-minded? Are you allowing yourself to be accepting of individuals that may differ from you? Because if you don't, then you are you are wasting your currency. You are wasting the time that has been given to you. You are not utilizing it to to formulate you, to create a true you, a you that is composed of different and various experiences and and, and knowledge bases and opinions. Yeah. You want to be a collage. Yeah. True. Mm. Sure, True. Sure. Just reminding listeners, we're talking to D.S. Wills, who is a poet and performer. And uh, I feel like after what you just said, D.S., it'd be nice to hear some more of your work, if possible. Absolutely. We definitely can do that. I, um, I wrote a piece 
I'm actually going to perform a piece from, ah, never mind. I'm going to read this piece. It's called Who Am I Since We've Been Speaking About the Self. Um, and I wrote this a couple of months ago, and that is the title, Who Am I? I am the hardened bristles after the stroke of genius impregnates virgin conceptions. So immaculate, it causes some to reset their calculations, computing rehearsed spontaneity of suitors' wet dreams of Seneca's waterfalls, their mama. Within nine months, you emancipated miracles from the clutches of aborted dreams. They were being deferred, the A, B, cease and desist of ambition, letter heads and shoulders a couple of forevers short of a body of evidence, proving that we have a hand in disarming a life on bending knee. Batting eyes behind the plates until lids slam on brakes, preventing visions from colliding with memories parked on curb enthusiasm. I am the parable used to comfort those who have been pillaged for their prophecy and stoned with rocks of ages simply because the strangers pose as reflections in their homes of glass. Tinted them with a sweet life, lacking lodging, those ghetto stories towered over me until I learned to balance losing religion with finding myself in my creator's sketch pad. I'm paranoia on the good day. Thoughts overanalyzed to the point that whisper shots persuade my silence to speak up. I'm the perfect partner in solitaire, the introvert whose skin is too loose to fit in at times, but seems to wear out his welcome at masquerades, just bad at hiding who I am. I'm more than a like or share, but if you like to share, feel free to spread the seedlings of visions until they sprout into reality and serve as the fantasy for anyone wanting to break the speed limit in their comfort zone that has max, but who am I? I I'm gifted flaws on the same shelf displayed for all to binge as they ration their opinions within our collected quarantine and peace. Thank you, thank you. So thank this you. is the Truth to Power Show on Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, we're here with DSWL, of course. And uh, yeah, and also one thing I want to say about that was that it was really, really moving and really good. Um, I think also it reminded me a little bit, of, you told a story about your father um, telling you solace after an episode of Unrequited Love. I just want to give you a chance to tell that story <laughs> a little bit more uh, and kind of uh, and tell us a little bit about how that was a big uh, experience for you. Kind of connects a little bit to what you were saying before about the, the men and the, uh, the program you did. So I think mm -hmm. it's kind of an interesting story to reflect on, yeah. Yes. So uh, my dad has definitely had a, a presence in, in my life and <laughs> he has a, a, a colloquial way about him uh, with relaying truths and, and nuggets and gems. So with this particular situation, um, I was heartbroken over uh, a woman that I was pursuing and he had a conversation with me on the phone and then he began to act, you know, I was crying and tears were rushing from my face and I could barely get out what I wanted to say. And his first question was, son, do you pay someone for your electricity? And I'm thinking to myself, 
how does this parallel what I'm going yeah. on, what I'm experiencing right now? And I'm trying to figure out what the end destination of this nonsensical question is. And he repeats it. And he's and then I'm I'm frustrated. I, I'm, I'm livid at this point. I say, yes, I, I, I pay an electric company to utilize their energy. Where is this leading to? And he says to me, well, in a similar fashion in which you pay a company to utilize their services, you have to treat yourself as said company when it comes to using your energy to assist others. And that word currency came back to play. And it was an epiphany and it is something that has stayed with me from now on. We all are power companies. We all have a light that we are destined to shine on individuals. We have to be very, very aware of how we use our light and how often we use it as well as to not become totally exasperated and um, low on our resources as well. And then sometimes you also have to consider the audience in which you are using your energy as well. And if they are truly appreciative of it, especially when it comes to dyadics or you dealing with someone, an individual on a one-on-one -on -one basis, your energy is precious. It goes back to another colloquialism. You cannot pour from an empty cup because then you are actually doing a disservice of the individuals that you are trying to assist if you are not at 100% or close to it. Self-maintenance, um, self-wellness checks, about the energy that you were putting out there and how often that you're doing it so that you can be a continued beacon of light as opposed to one that's conditional or temporary. Yeah, thank you, thank you. That's really powerful and I think very important to remember that, you know, we're all kind of giving away our power in some ways and, you know, what ways can we retain that? What times can we kind of be the light, be the source for others and, uh, you know, kind of give away, give away our energy, but in a way that's conducive to our power, you know, a way that shares power, a way that kind of services both ourselves and others in our authenticity. Yeah, thank you, thank you for that. So one of the other questions was about your most valuable failure, which I thought also had an interesting answer. So I'd be interested in, some, in, in hearing the story behind this. Um, uh, you were mentioning about a missed dinner so yes and, and it goes back with the theme of knowing self i actually had the opportunity back in 2005 my, my last year of of, of college uh, at Rutgers university or ru um to dine with with cornell west um and, and, and arthur and socio-political figure that i highly revered and I was chosen because at the time I was the president of our United Black Council on campus. And I was I was looking forward to the event and, you know, playing in my mind the type of questions that I would have for him. So I'm, I'm on the bus, campus bus, and the dinner was located on the College Avenue campus. And I, was, I step off the bus and I'm about to cross the street. And then 
a voice or a series of voices came to me and began to ask, do you belong at this dinner? What if he asks dot, 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 and you're not prepared? What is that going to say about you? What version of you would you put forth? And will you be exposed, whatever that meant at the time? And so I, I did an about face and I got back on that bus and I went back to my dorm room. And I considered that a failure, but also a lesson because it goes back to time and it goes back to self, the very subjects um, that have we have been speaking about throughout the duration of this, this podcast. You have to be able to know your worth and be confident and be your authentic self because your authentic self will be the one that is appreciated. And in no span of time are you going to be the perfect authority on any subject matter. But you cannot create the projection of self from your lens and assume that someone else will have the same view of you as well. Because I made Mr. West's decision about me before he even had the opportunity to meet me. And I cheated myself out of that experience because I did that. So don't utilize those defense mechanisms. You never know what situation is going to catapult you to a greater experience, even if it's not initially pleasurable to experience. And that's the lesson that I learned from that particular failure. Thank you. Thank you. There's something about uh, showing up, you know, that um, that's, uh, I think one of the responses after we get out of the, the lockdowns and back into more actual things, I remember in my work, um, I was constantly trying to raise money and trying to get out to meet people. And nine out of 10 times you show up and you're sort of like, why am I here? Or why did I do that? But then that 10th time, you get the gold, you know, that something happens. It might be, I mean, be personal, it might be professional, it might be spiritual. Um, but the showing up is, is really important. Um, and, and you do, if we do all undermine ourselves. You know, we have this tendency to, to doubt, to slough off, to let laziness take over and say, oh, I don't need to go out tonight. Mm -hmm. um, but showing up is, is really important. And uh, I think a lot of change makers are professionals at that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So one of, one of, as we start to wrap up, we only have like five more minutes left, but I uh, want to ask you a little bit about the themes of the show and uh, Betu to Power about uh, personal political. And what do these themes mean for you? And what is, what is those words conjuring you? Uh, what, is, uh, what does it mean to speak truth to power? What does it mean to uh, identify the personal as political? And mm -hmm. what do these kind of phrases mean to you? How do they resonate with you? you know, when we talk about you know, the personal as political, it goes back to um, political matters should be on the radar of the people. Mm. And political power, political, the personal is political and the political structures that have been set up deserve to be scrutinized. We have the power to do that. Yeah. Um, and if we don't exercise our right to scrutinize and to um, inspect and to be opinionated, 
you really lose your 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 power of free will um, because you are putting that power in the hands of an individ of other individuals and expecting them to operate or to exercise in your best interests. Yeah, and that's yeah. a gamble. <laughs> yeah, as you were saying, we have to remember our community is based on individuals, and those individuals have to give up their give up their light. So that then uh, we're, you know, to use the phrase of, I, I believe it was uh, George H.W. Bush who was talking about the thousand points of light and how mm-hmm. we're kind of uh, communities of light. We're communities of, of energy sources, of, of power companies, if you will, that are generating this light. And I, d- I did respect that uh, phraseology <laughs> or that image of a thousand points of light because I think that we have to remember that we're, we're generating our own power. We're generating our own, and that's where our community is based on. Yeah, that's what our community is based on. And Absolutely. you know, holding these uh, people who are uh, influencing so much about our life uh, have so much impact on our day to day life. Uh, you're remembering that we're the ones who they serve. That we're the ones that they are supposed to be. Uh, you know, kind of creating that energy for. So we're exchanging uh, our light for the ability to live in the society, this community. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think there's also a possibility that um, you know we, the, the sharing the light actually increases everybody's light. I think yeah. there's a, we have to be careful not to be too zero sum about group collaborative endeavor community endeavor um Mm. you know i think it's kind of programmed into human genes that we are social animals and this is our pattern um and while we don't want to burn out or we don't want to act unwisely when we take on causes and want to make change um i think i really believe there's a possibility that this effort also fuels the change makers and Mm. um and that it's a kind of uh you talk about the transcendence of performance, there's a kind of transcendence of collaboration as well. The, the sum is greater than the whole of its parts. And um, we've seen that over the summer, I think. I think a lot of the Black Lives Matter movement mm-hmm. uh, generated an amount of energy that has inspired a whole swath of the community that may not have taken to the streets, but said, yes, this is now, now I have hope. Mm-hmm. Now something might finally happen. And uh, we'll hope that that will carry through. Um, yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Remember, remembering what gives us hope. So to ask the question about what what is it that gives you hope? What is it that really fuels your hope? I mean, there's so many opportunities for despair. There's so many opportunities for us to fall into dejection, and so many opportunities for us to fall into kind of lethargy or or putting aside our apathy. And what is it that really fuels that hope? What is it that really fuels that? desire to keep going the desire to to overcome uh, so what for you really fuels that hope um the ingenuity of individuals um how they adjust to the circumstances and also obstacles that they face creativity um and feeling that there's almost a, a debt that you owe to the individuals that preceded you the sacrifices that they made that they fought for you to be able to have these particular platforms to express and teach. That's what continues to fuel me. So even when um, your your surrounding circumstances may appear to be bleak, you have a purpose, you have a gift, 
and it's temporal. You may not always possess this gift because you may not always be, you're not going to always be in the physical realm. What are you going to do with your time? How do we define legacy? What impact will you create when all is said and done? If you can, can sit in a quiet place when it's your quote unquote time and actually say, I've done all that I've done, then you have accomplished your mission on this plane. And I can only pray that I can wholeheartedly state that when that occurs. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, now that was the end, um, we're going to be playing a song at the end. Um, uh, I believe it's called uh, Holding Back the Years by Simply Red. So Diaz selected this song. So tell us a bit about what the song is and, and uh, how does it resonate with you? Um. It's been the best elevator music I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> All jokes aside, um, extremely melodic. And the message is that of persistence. You know, the choruses, I keep, it's simplistic, but I keep holding on so tight. And that is what many of us is doing um, in, in our day-to-day -day lives. We're holding on tightly to hope, to change, and to the possibility of being. Thank you, thank you. So this is the Truth to Power Show. I'm ready for Brooklyn. Ready for Brooklyn is a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose mission is broad, open, and free platform to our community. Um, we uh, are fueled by listeners like you. So if you'd like to donate, please go to readyforbrooklyn.org slash donate. Uh, give whatever you can. Everything you give is definitely going to have an impact. Uh, if you're listening on your computer, please free yourself up by listening on our apps for iPhone and Android, available in the app stores for iPhone and Android. Uh, subscribe to our newsletter. Go to readyforbrooklyn.org slash newsletter. Uh, there are three ways to give. Uh, you can go to readyforbrooklyn.org slash donate, as I mentioned. You can text uh, RFB Give 5 to 44321. It'll take a moment and you'll be able to use your digital wallet for your donation. Or if you shop on Amazon, you go to Amazon.com slash smile and register Ready for Brooklyn as your nonprofit you wish to support. When you do, a percentage of your sales will go to RFB and it'll cost you nothing. No donation is too big or too small. Whatever you can afford will make a huge difference. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts and wish all listeners health and happiness as we weather this COVID storm together. Um, so thank you so much, DS. Uh, do you have any last thoughts or last uh uh, places to direct people to follow your work? Absolutely. Well, first and foremost, I want to thank you for this opportunity. Um, and, you know, both of you gentlemen are definitely exercising your powers to influence and to educate as well. Um, so in any way that I can support future endeavors, definitely let me know about it. But we are indeed appreciative of this platform and for helping us to realize um, our power in finding truth and being responsible in, in shaping the political form as well. Um, if you wish to follow me, there are two best ways to do that, two best avenues, is that my YouTube page, which is ds-will.com. Um, there you will find my work on poetry. You will also find interviews and everything that is associated with me and my movement. And then on Instagram, you can follow me at dswill, the number 83. Um, to find out about things that I have upcoming. I will be featured at the Raleigh Film Festival um, on October the 2nd. 
Um, and there you will be able to find information on how you can receive free passes to not only uh, experience what I have to offer, but all of the wonderful artists in the Triangle area. Thank you. This has been you. terrific, DS. Lovely to meet you. And um, have a have a great uh, fall and continue your work with great success. It's really, you're very inspiring. Thank you. Thank you so much, thank gentlemen. So much. I appreciate you. And thank you for your work in this platform. Thank you. Thank you. So listening to Holding Back the Years by Simply Red as we go out. This again is the Truth to Power show on Radio Free Brooklyn. We are every Monday at 8 a.m. Uh, on RadioFreeBrooklyn.org or .com. Uh, and slash Truth to Power, you can listen to our um, uh, archives of all our episodes, all our back episodes. Uh, so thank you so much. We'll go out and listen to the song. Thank you. Right, gentlemen. Thank Have a you. great day, both of you. Thank you Enjoy. so much. Thank keep you so up the much. Good work. This was really nice. Thank you. Thank you. I'll definitely keep in contact with you guys as well. Thank All you. Right. Appreciate you. Love and light. All right. Great week now. Bye bye.